Hey everybody, and welcome to the One Wild Life podcast with me, Abby Barnes. This is simply a show about life, and as such, there are no boundaries to where our conversations can take us. Along the way, we hope to inspire, empower, educate, and uplift, exploring how we can all live our best lives. Before we get started, I want to mention that this podcast is hosted by Spend More Time in the Wild, which I founded in 2016 to help individuals get outside for the benefit of mental and physical health. Over the last few years, the project has grown into a worldwide community of passionate and courageous individuals working together to enjoy the beauty of our wild spaces and protect them for generations to come. You can find out more about both the podcast and Wild by visiting www.spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or head on to YouTube to watch the full episode. Alison Ingalls has been a college lecturer since 1989 and worked with the Open University teaching business, management and IT. She has also been a practicing Buddhist since 2003 and is in training for ordination with the Tri Ratna Western Buddhist Order. Like many Buddhists, she wanted to take up holistic therapies to help others and practice kindness and generosity. She also wanted to do something that involved her hands rather than her brain to balance out her working life. So in 2004, she was personally trained by Naranda Mehta, called the guru of the British Indian head massage movement, who developed a unique technique called Indian Shampashash. She then trained further to become an approved tutor in the massage in 2007, and has since been providing treatments to clients and teaching others the technique. She is the only tutor to offer this in Scotland and the north of England. Alison later branched out into natural facelift massage and Indian foot massage. She lives in a beautiful Scottish glen known as a thin place where the difference between heaven and earth is said to be minimal. In this episode, we'll be chatting with Alison about Buddhist philosophies, in particular, loving kindness and mindfulness, and we'll be exploring how massage could benefit all of us in our day-to-day lives. So, Alison... Welcome to the One Wildlife Podcast. Nice to meet you, Abby. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Good. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's been a good day. Good. Lovely day. What's the weather been like with you guys up up in um, Scotland? It's dry today, but it's been a bit wet and windy recently. Oh, yeah, man. it's not been uh, not been the best, but it's still beautiful, whatever the weather's like. Yeah, you're seeing the signs of spring. Yes, definitely. It's getting very green. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's same beautiful. Here. It feels yeah. like you're just driving through fluorescent green tunnels. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it overwhelms you when you look out at all the different shades of green. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And you know, I want to just dive in a little bit, actually. Um, a thin place, so where the difference between heaven and earth is minimal. Like, where does this come from? It's a Scottish saying, but I think it probably relates to lots of different places in in the UK it's basically a place that has spiritual energy that has oh, special wow. spiritual energy so it's a place where there are lots of ley lines that run through through I live in a glen and they run through the glen and these are a bit like meridians in the body okay. and they just be special it's it they join up sacred sites wow. so where I live has been known as a sacred site cool. in the past well it still is actually it's got a very very special quality to it okay you can tell that um there's something special about it when you come into the glen. That sounds amazing. Yes, oh, it is. It's got a good vibe. As a very, I that's say. exactly it. Yeah. A good vibe. Yeah, <laughs> good it's vibe. like you leave everything else behind and you just 
it's just peaceful and tranquil and special. I think we all need more of that, don't we, really? Yeah, definitely. Very privileged to live here. Yeah. Well, listen, there's so much I'd like to dive into today. Um, and I'd like to sort of start with Buddhism. So, you know, I have not been brought up following a Buddhist tradition. It's uh-huh. something that I've obviously only heard of from, from the fringes. But I'm, I'm familiar a little bit with the middle path. Um, and yeah. basically being the difference between indulgence and deprivation. Yes. That's something that resonates very nicely with me, being a very non-materialistic, nature-based person. Yes. But I was just wondering if you could give us a very brief run-through of the history of Buddhism okay. and sort of how you ended up becoming a Buddhist. Okay. Quite a loaded question, but <laughs> let's see where we go with this. Well, like you, I wasn't brought up um, in the Buddhist tradition. I was brought up Church of Scotland, okay. very much a Christian faith. Um, but I always felt that it wasn't just wasn't right. I always felt it was a spiritual need that I had. Mm. And um, I remember years ago as a little girl uh, walking down the high street in my hometown and being handed a leaflet from a Hare Krishna person. Oh, wow. I was only about 10 or 11 at the time. And um, I started reading this leaflet and I thought, actually, there's, it's, very, it's a very different religion. It's a, it's Eastern religions are very, very different. So mm. I started um, digging into it a bit more. And then the Buddhist idea kind of appealed to me. So um, I always had real difficulty in believing there was a God. But, and of course, Buddhists don't believe in uh, a God, but they do believe in a consciousness, a universal consciousness exists. And maybe that's what some people do call, do call God. And so it really appealed to me. And um, Buddhism began more than two and a half thousand years ago. Um, It was a prince called Siddhartha Gautama who um, lived in the north of India, very wealthy. Um, He was going to inherit his father's um, possessions when his father died. But he began to realise that, um, began to notice that even although he had lots of material things and he was very lucky in a sense, he had health and happiness, he noticed that um, looking around him, that there was a lot of things that everybody went through in life and that was birth, Um, suffering, old age and death, no matter who you are or what you have, everyone has that. Absolutely. And so his view was to think about how can I overcome this? People are suffering, so how can I find a way to overcome this? So he set out, he left behind all his riches. He was married at the time and had a child and he left her behind and the child behind to go out and explore this, um, this idea of suffering and how it could be ceased. And um, it, later on, his his wife became one of his nuns. Oh, cool! So it wasn't a, <laughs> was a very negative. Ex- yeah. so obviously, it must have been it awful when out. he left, but it worked <laughs> out in the end, you know. And she became one of his um, his most uh, devoted disciples. And um, he went from asceticism, which was starving himself. Wow. And it was six years, wasn't it? A long, a long, time. a long, long time. time. He went. That got him nowhere, basically. <laughs> and then he developed this. Um, he then went towards um, eating again but focusing on his mind and focusing on practices to develop his mind mm. and that's when he reached enlightenment he eventually sat down and he gained enlightenment okay. and that's a freeing of suffering a freeing from being separate from others a freeing from all negative mental states oh I could use some of that <laughs> I know we all could use some of that so that really appealed to me about mm. that and he developed his dharma his teachings around how everyone can achieve that because he was a human being And we're all human and we can all achieve it. And that's what I really like about it. It's more a philosophy, I would say, than a religion. Mm. So I am, that appealed to me, but also from an early age, I've suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder. 
and I always knew that my thoughts caused me lots of suffering. When I was a child, I was very, very anxious. Mm. Um, I've got a fear of death and dying, and that con- completely um, pervades pervades my thoughts all the time even now it still does that Mm. but I know that these are thoughts and these thoughts cause me suffering and I was looking for ways in which to deal with that so although I went through therapy and I had I had take medication on a daily basis I find the Buddhist path helps me deal with negative mental states so I kind of realized that your thoughts aren't you Mm. and often they're not real thoughts aren't fact Thoughts aren't fact, yeah. thoughts aren't real. Yeah. They're based on perception and your perception of things are mm. based on your conditioning. Yeah. And uh, Buddhism just gives you a fantastic opportunity to work with your mind, gives you a set of tools to, to follow and use. And so um, I kind of looked around for useful... I, I, I kind of, that was at the back of my mind for a, a good number of years. And then towards the kind of late 90s, I decided to see if I could find... Uh, a group that I could practice with okay. and that's where I came across the Tree Ratna okay. Tree Ratna group and um, I just knew that um, there's a Buddhist retreat centre not far from, from where I live and I popped along for an open day and I just got the sense of contentedness and calmness when I chatted to the order members there and it's a lay order so they're not monks they are nuns, They're just it's a lay order but they have this sense of peacefulness and calmness and I thought that was really appealing. And I thought, well, it must something must work. Mm. And that's why I became involved in the order. And then in 2003, I decided to become a mitra, which means a friend of the order. And I took um, precepts to follow. And then I asked for ordination. So I'm in the process of training for ordination. But that's been since 2009. It takes a long time. A long time, right? Yes. Because you're really working on integrating yourself, all aspects of yourself. Yeah. And really putting the three jewels of the heart of your life, which is the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Mm. And they have to be sure that you are, you know, once you become an order member, that you're not going to fall back. And, Got it. Yeah. That, that must be tricky because I can imagine you have to face all of your vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that they like about it is to recognise your vulnerabilities and weaknesses, mm. recognise that they've been created by conditioning. Mm. And you know they don't expect you to overcome them, okay. but they expect you to be aware of them and to Awareness use the practices to help you with them. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. No problem. I hope you're enjoying this conversation so far with Alison, and we've got so much more to come. But before we jump into all of that, I wanted to just dive into the subject of kindness, of community, of connection. So here at Spend More Time in the Wild, we have an online community, which yes, is online, but more and more people are beginning to connect in person, head out for walks, adventures, they're talking, and it is literally changing people's lives. We feel so honored and privileged to be able to initiate and set up this platform. And I just wanted to encourage you guys, you know, if you're looking to build more meaningful connections in your life, then definitely take a look at our community space. But obviously I could seem a little bit biased. So how's about we hear from one of our Patreons about what they've got to say. Hi, my name is Craig. I joined Patreon in February this year and I've followed Abby and Wild for two years now. I've been made to feel very welcome in the Patreon community where I'm encouraged to contribute to the future of Wild. I've also been given some priceless guidance on achieving my hiking and camping goals. So if you have an interest in the outdoors, I would highly recommend the Wild Patreon community. So why not join us and stay wild? Thanks for that, Craig. 
Listen, folks, if you're looking to connect with people from around the world, if you want support to get out and achieve your biggest dreams and adventures, and you're not afraid of having real life, hard, deep, meaningful conversations, then this is the place to come and hang out. Head to www.patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the world. We can't wait to welcome you with open arms. So have a look today whilst you're listening and we'll see you soon. Let's get back to the show. So about your OCD then, mm-hmm. um, you said you've struggled with that from, from a young age. Uh, you've obviously lived in Scotland. You know, here at Wild, we're all about nature and getting outside. And I have yes. to say, you know, I don't know whether it's a screwed perception, but I think of Buddhism and I think of calm, clarity, outdoors, nature, yes. sort of reincarnation kind of thing. Uh-huh. I'm just wondering if nature has played any role in sort of helping you manage your, your OCD at all. Yeah, it does, because one of the main techniques that I use is to get into my senses and to be totally present and nature is one of the best things to to enable you to do that because you can just what do you see what do you hear what can you feel you can feel the wind on your skin you can hear sounds of bird song rivers running (laughs) you can see a most beautiful view 3d isn't it it's very 3d 3d yeah definitely and it's just really calming and relaxing Mm, you know to um but I didn't always live in a beautiful place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you can still use the techniques, even if you don't live in a beautiful place, you can still get in touch with your senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And there's something about, um, one of my teachers taught me this, about nature, it's grounding. Mm, okay. So when you sit in, on, on, on the earth, it feels you're totally, you feel totally connected to yeah. the earth and it's a grounding secure feeling it is yeah 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 is that kind of um sense to it as well mm. oh, that's yeah. Really, yeah it makes you feel very well grounded is the word but it just makes you um feel secure and also you begin to realize that there's more than just you you're part say, of the wider yeah. thing it's like a sense of wholeness isn't it and yeah. you know you take your shoes off you run your bare feet through the grass and you as you say grounded almost a sense of meaning and purpose like as you say I'm part of something bigger yes yeah yeah yeah. you know I know personally I use mental health a huge amount I I use nature to help Uh, me with my mental health health a huge amount and so I I always just sort of like to dig into that a little bit because I think there's so much to offer all of us and ultimately we are a part of nature so I think getting out is is a good thing well the thing is one of the Buddha's main teachings is that there's no difference between me and anybody else or any other sentient being whether it be an animal or whatever Mm. so the whole idea behind it is that this concept of yourself and other is actually totally false Mm. okay we are all part of the one thing we're all interconnected yeah everything is dependent on everything else I've been talking a lot about that with my partner recently Um, Uh with Spend More Time in the Wild we've been trying to bring it right back to the core which is environmental conservation and you know if you want to do something for nature you have to look at everything yes from from everything about humans everything about nature it's it's just one you know and as soon as you try (laughs) to break it up it doesn't work because everything is connected to something else and obviously that's a very macro scale Uh but we as individuals Mm -hmm. we feed into that definitely yeah yeah and is that sort of something there's a part of buddhism then sort of the circle of life i mean there's a little lion king quote but um well there's a wheel of life the wheel of life the wheel of life let's dive into that (laughs) i like well i don't know much about uh, i can't give you all the detail but the wheel of life kind of depicts all the different stages in a person's life okay. that leads to suffering Got and it. rebirth. Yeah. And um, the wheel of life is like an endless thing that you will go around. The main things are birth, yeah. sickness, old age and death. 
Oh, yeah, <laughs> and in between it, all sort, all, it takes all sorts of different types of emotional states and things that happen mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And um, so the Wheel of Life, um, basically saying you'll keep going round and round and round on the Wheel of Life through different existences mm-hmm. until you reach enlightenment, until you escape from it. Wow. Um, and because you'll continually suffer. That's amazing. Yeah. Is this is this um, related to, it's escaped my brain right now, the eightfold something? The Noble Eightfold Path. There you go. I knew there was an eight in there somewhere. Noble Eightfold Path. Can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, before we get onto that, the Buddha talked about the Four Noble Truths. Got it. So when he was um, doing all his meditation and became enlightened, he suddenly realised he could, when he reached enlightenment, he could see all his previous lives. Mm. And it suddenly dawned on him the four realities of life. And the first one is the truth of suffering. Okay. That we all suffer. Um... The other thing is the causes of suffering. What causes a suffering is uh, three main things, greed and, and um, desire, ignorance and delusion, because we see things through perception. So we see things falsely. Mm. So this idea of myself and other is a false perception and hatred and, and delusion as well. Okay. Wow. So these are the main things that cause us suffering. We always try to grasp for these things. And at the bottom of it all is this fear of, of death. Oh, wow. And we we grasp for things. We grasp for things to make things other than they actually are. Mm. And we're very reluctant to accept life as it is. Mm. So that's the the causes of suffering. But then he said, well, you also have the truth of the cessation of suffering. We can actually detach detach ourselves from these feelings by using mind techniques. We can actually train train our minds not to be attached or recognize it when it happens. And then you've got the truth of the path of the cessation to suffering, mm-hmm. and that's the Noble Eightfold Path. Okay. And that basically states um, right view, mm-hmm. that you accept actions of consequences, that you believe in the Buddha's teachings and that um, karma, people talk about karma wrongly sometimes, karma is really your action will lead to a consequence. Okay, is, that, is that a consequence that's equal to the action or...? It just means that if you do something, if yeah. you do something, we don't talk about good and bad in Buddhism, okay. we talk about skillful and unskillful. So if you do something that's unskillful, you're going to upset somebody or upset yourself. Mm. And that's wow. karma. Got yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, then there's got right intention, and that's saying, well, I, I want to be kind and compassionate to people. And that's important. Um, I, don't want to, um, I don't want to show people ill will, mm. I just want to be kind, kind and compassionate. It's a nice way to try and live, isn't it? Yeah, it's the right attitude yeah. to go about things and to appreciate that everybody else is human just like you. Yeah. So whatever you've gone through, they've gone through. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's yeah, there's no difference between any of us, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then we've got right speech. It's truthful and kindly speech. So being kind okay. uh, to others. Then right action is um, try and do no harm. Um, or work for the good of others, so help other people. So it's things like generosity, kind-heartedness. Mm. Then right livelihood is choosing a job that's ethical, that doesn't cause harm. So if you worked in an abattoir, then that wouldn't be very ethical, Definitely. you know, because it does cause harm. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, choosing a, a profession that's help that helps others. Okay, got it. Um, and then right effort um, is to try and prevent the rising of negative mental states, so to, to cultivate positive mental states. Mm. In because, yourself and others? or, or? In yourself. Okay. And in yourself. As well. um, it's about working with yourself, but it's also recognizing when others are exhibiting negative mental states and just understanding that that's 
what was happening with them. You know, it's nothing personal. Like it's nothing personal against you. You know, it's just what they perceive. Then right mindfulness, as we know, is being present, um, and also being mindful of the teachings that can help us. And then right concentration, but just to practice meditation because it's only through focus, meditation, and focus that we can become aware. Mm. Um, because when you meditate your thoughts arise you recognise them for what they are mm. and then you get a realisation of what's causing them you can see through them yeah. so no, that's it that's the noble eightfold part yeah it's, it's so good to dive into those even though obviously we're just skimming across the surface but you can see well first of all I think they're very ideal ways of living for most people you know I think yeah. if people really strive for that the world would be a better place <laughs> yeah. but you know we've got things like the random acts of kindness movement you know the plant-based um, ways of living are, are really on the mm-hmm. rise you know which is a much more compassionate way to live for the planet and for each other mm-hmm. and uh, meditation and mindfulness you know you've yes, got all that uh-huh. coming yeah. through mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting almost how as humans we have we, we sort of go far away from ourselves, I feel, on a spiritual level, and then we always end up pulled back. Yes. Even though it yeah. can take a generation or two, we always end up coming back to our roots and what makes us whole yeah. and connected. And yeah. it's really nice sort of diving into those. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. well, the Buddha discovered all of this more than two and a half thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, mindfulness is very mainstream now, isn't it? it Being is. kind is mainstream. But yeah. we, we, f- we find that, I mean, there's been... S- scientific experiments done that if you help others it makes you feel good oh absolutely it does a lot for yourself yeah Yeah. it's not just for the other person it's for you as well Mm. well there was a i'm not going to put any stats in here because i can't remember exactly what was what but i i read a study once um sort of basically looking at it's sort of asia versus Uh yeah the western world if you want to paraphrase it sort of what do you do when you feel rubbish and in the west it's like oh i'll go shopping or i'll go get a coffee or you know i'll watch netflix all day and in the in the east, it's like oh, I'll ring a friend, or oh, I'll go see how my friend's doing. It's, it pretty much always came back to an act of service, yes. and I found that really yeah. fascinating because yeah. again, it's like you know we've got this self care movement that's 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 really you know blowing through the roof, and it's fantastic that people are sort of starting to take responsibility for their well being and looking after themselves so they can be the best version of themselves. But that doesn't always mean be selfish. Self care is not selfish. Self care is about a bigger picture. Um, yeah, the the idea in Buddhism is that you have to anything you apply to others, you apply to yourself. Mm. Because if you don't have self care, mm. then you can't do things for other for people. Others, yeah. yeah, it's getting the balance right between being selfish mm. and looking after yourself so you can help others. That's it. But yeah. the straight away, you know, that two dimensional conversation is there. There are two streams, you know. Yeah. Whereas I think it's very easy to fall down that one path of no, it's about me, myself, and I sad song that (laughs) anyway um (laughs) let's moving on from this uh, before i thoroughly embarrass myself um i'd like to dive into then massage um we might come back to buddhism in a little bit yeah but you you not only decided to train in head massage you went the full whammy you know you went with the top dog you you got the knowledge and you are um the the only tutor to offer this in scotland northern england yeah so run us through your massage storyline i completely understand why you wanted to do it so you know being a tutor working in the education system very brain based yeah you said you want to do something with your hands so Mm -hmm. when how did all of this start well it started through the buddhist group that i'm linked to because lots of buddhists 
take up therapies. They're very holistic anyway. They've got a holistic approach to life anyway. And a lot of Buddhist training therapies is a way of um, being kind, as a way of practicing generosity. And also a lot of them, that's their livelihood. That's the way by helping others. And that's the way they do it is through therapies. So I thought I'd like to learn a therapy. Because I've always been interested in the holistic side of things. I've always been into alternative stuff and really enjoy that stuff. And I thought well, it would be good for me to learn something. It would be something that um, I could offer to others as a kindness thing. But when, when I became trained, it also became, became something that I could practice mindfulness on. Because when you're doing a massage, you can become totally present and just mm-hmm. focus on the moves. So I thought, right, what kind of massage would I like to do? And then I thought, I'm not touching feet. No way am I going near feet. <laughs> And then, but now I'm, I've trained myself in Indian foot massage, so that's... Oh, that went out the window. Well, you just had to start Then I thought, naked first. bodies, naked sweaty bodies. <laughs> no, I don't fancy that. And Because I, I did I did think about um, Swedish therapy, you know, Swedish massage, and I thought, well, it takes a lot out of you, the Swedish massage. You yeah. know, it does. It's a lot. Being I have a, to say, I've not had many massages. I feel body therapist. Yeah, I thought, no, no, I wouldn't fancy that. And I thought, what about Indian head massage? And I thought it was just playing about with people's hair. <laughs> No offence to any hairdressers out there, sorry. And I thought, and then I thought, well, well, that sounds quite good. And I thought, well, if I'm going to learn something, I want to learn it as a therapy. I don't want to learn it as just a treat, a kind of treatment that a beautician would give. Because yeah. you can learn head massage at a day course Got it. in beauty therapy. You can go along and do Indian head massage. I thought, no, I want to learn it as an actual therapy, something that people would receive regularly that can make a big difference mm-hmm. to them. And then because of my educational background, I thought I want to learn from the best person that can. And I also want a course that's going to put me through my paces so that I'm really going to be trained well and that'll be tested well as Mm. well. So so I dug around, I did a lot of research on the web and then I discovered Narendra um, and his technique, Indian Champisage, and he's got a renowned centre in London, the London Centre of Indian Champisage, which is now called Champisage International. And I found out that he ran courses in London and he also ran runs courses around the world. So he trains people to become therapists, but he also trains people to become tutors. So I thought, that's the guy for me. That's it. Now, the other thing that's unusual about Narendra is he, he died a few years back, but he was blind from the age of two. So he had an amazing sense of touch. And he also was a trained osteopath. Oh, wow. So he developed the technique because obviously with an Indian background, he and his wife moved to Britain in the early 80s. And he realised that any kind of massage that you went for in the UK stopped at the neck. There was nothing that happened above the neck. Mm. And uh, he thought it might, might be useful to introduce a kind of therapy um, based on head massage, but also bringing into account his osteopathic knowledge. Mm. So he went back to India and he developed this technique, which is a wonderful technique. It's not just about the head, it's the upper back, shoulders, the arms, the neck, the head, the face, and the top three chakras, uh, energy centers that he works on. He developed that technique and he brought it back to the UK and he and his wife did an exhibition at the Body, Mind and Soul Fair in London at Earl's Court, Mm -hmm. or is it Olympia? One of the two, one of the big exhibition centers. And he was just inundated with people wanting to know about this new therapy. So he brought it to the UK as an actual therapy. Because in India, up until then, it was head massage was just done in families, in Indian families. They passed it on from one family member to another. Yes. And they all developed their own different techniques. And if you go to India, you always get a head massage as part of a barber's appointment or a hairdressing appointment. Ideal. <laughs> 
so um so that's what he did and he um and he was the one I wanted to train with and also I just looked at the course it was a three-day um solid weekend so it was 24 hours over three days study and then it was 10 case that we backed practice in 10 case studies Mm. five treatments each it was 50 treatments with case studies and recording notes and then there was an hour exam a project to write I did mine on chakras chakra energy centers and then there was a an exam at the end um of uh, a written exam part of it was anatomy studying anatomy and then actually giving him I wanted to do my practical on him so I, I, he actually passed me and I wanted him to pass me because he was a person that developed it wow that's fantastic yeah so I trained with him and I also did a couple of one-to-one sessions with him I went back it was in London I traveled to London to do the main training and then I went back before my exam for a couple of sessions with him on a one-to-one basis mm. just to get one-to-one tuition and because of his sense of touch he really um would say just move your fingers slightly this way or that way and it made such a difference it's incredible yeah um so and that's that was it really that's how I got involved with him and uh and then I decided after that I thought I came back home and I was just practicing in friends and family I did the occasional client but it was really a hobby yeah and I thought why don't I train as a tutor and train other people to do it because I'm a teacher anyway Mm. And I did think it might be something that I could do to suppl- if I became part time as a lecturer. I could do that as a yeah, part time thing. So I I went back and I delivered two weekends with him in London as a tutor. So he trained me as a tutor as well, and then um, came back and I've been offering courses since. That's fantastic! Yeah. What a story! No, it's, yeah, it's really amazing, yeah. you know, and it it certainly it's it speaks a lot of your inherent attributes you know you seem like a very driven person when you when you want something you're gonna get it <laughs> yeah definitely well there's no point in being half-hearted well, about it is it? there but I, I love that because you know it shows your dedication to this and, and mm-hmm. wanting to really learn and I think again you know there's something we can all take away from that I think you know these days we're used to a click of a button instant orders that kind of thing and actually you've got to put in the time the effort the learning the mm-hmm. The, the the failures in order to get mm-hmm. to this point where you can then teach others and yeah. it's being humble with yourself along the way like this is the journey you know and mm-hmm. and I'm sure it feels like you never actually reach a destination with with the massage and the and the Buddhism in total no um, it's always keeping the self awareness <laughs> like it's just like oh what's going on here then <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was I was very interested I feel like there's a few angles we could go down here but um first question I have might seem a bit random but I know a few people who've done massage and they say because you're sat slash stood in someone's energy, yeah. it can be quite draining. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could shed any light on that for us today. It can be draining if you allow it to be draining. I okay. mean, most um, a lot of massage therapists will do sort of cleansing, sort of self-cleansing rituals, mm. but I don't find that with Champassage because at the end of the treatment you balance the individual's top three chakras um, energy centres and in the process of doing that you also balance your own so I don't find it draining at all you're you're actually helping another person's energy work better for them Mm. you're not taking on board their negative energy Mm. and that's the difference got it yeah, yeah because you can take on board what people are bringing with them but you have to it's about making their energy it's by unblocking their energy 
you're helping them deal with whatever it is that they have. Sort of like emotional release type. Emotional thing, release. Sometimes okay. people get ups, get get quite upset. They can become quite tearful. Not often. Yeah. Um, because by the time you get onto the chakras, they're really quite spaced out and relaxed. Okay, got it. Um, but the thing that's really good about the treatment is that um, it actually you feel spaced out and relaxed at the end. But within about twenty to thirty minutes, you feel energized. It rebuilds your energy as well. That's cool. So you don't feel, um, I don't feel drained at all. There is a, I mean, you can imagine if you were doing like a full body massage, there's lots of energy goes into that. Um, the treatment that I give, the vigorous part is on the back and the shoulders. Mm. And that's maybe only a f- 10% of what you do. The rest okay. of it is on the other part of the body and you do, it doesn't take a lot physically out of you. Got it. How long does an average treatment last? Um, it lasts about 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. I can do it quicker than that. I can do it in 20. Oh, I, can do a, I, can do a, I can do a speed version. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Canavis treat, treatment is 30 to 40 minutes. Got it. Yeah. No, it must be very fulfilling. Yeah. And as you say, there's there's a lot of depth to it. It's not just like, oh, let's rub some muscles and you'll feel better. They're there. It's like, actually, let's look at you as a whole, mm-hmm. like as a, as a physical mm-hmm. being, as a spiritual, emotional being. And I, mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Um, but, well, I mean, they say the treatment does actually work on the three levels, on the physical, the mental and the subtle benefits. Okay. The whole body effect yeah, that it has. Yeah. And I've I've treated people and I've seen it with other students who've done case studies. You know, they do case studies with me. They use clients that they practice on and they'll feed, report back on the changes over a course of five treatments. Mm. And often, um, although they're working on the, you know, the upper back, the shoulders, the arms, etc., people speak about less pain in the legs less pain in the lower back one person spoke about um the terrible dry eyes and that was that resolved itself oh, so wow. it's like it just shows you the whole effect it has on the whole body everything's interconnected isn't it so almost no matter what you're struggling with if you're yeah. if you're finding it hard to find um relief to a degree mm-hmm. like i am with my back injury yeah it's time to get a head massage <laughs> <laughs> happy to do one for you Abby anytime <laughs> alright let's get that in the diary <laughs> definitely yeah I mean it's it does have a whole body effect it really yeah. does another thing it's really good for is obviously headaches and things like that and tinnitus and jaw and neck pain but it's really good for insomnia okay why is that then because it relaxes the whole body it releases toxins it relaxes the body mm, gets that energy moving gets the ener- and blocks yeah. negative energy yeah, yeah. and um, people always feel they can sleep better my, one of my friends has terrible trouble with insomnia for years and she always sleeps better after a treatment that's fascinating yeah I'd like to actually explore a little bit about chakras so I have to be honest again the whole world of energies is something I am newly dabbling in and I'm very much enjoying it I've discovered it's quite a vast well Uh um, of ideas and information and that stuff so I'd like to just very loosely jump into chakras what are they and I know that we have a few of them and how do they (laughs) affect us if at all right okay well um, chakras are energy centres of the body and like you probably I didn't believe in them Mm. I thought that's a load of nonsense (laughs) Until I went on, uh, until I was on one of Narendra's courses, and um, one of the, the other participants was an energy healer, a holistic healer, and she, I, I said, "I'm not really sure I believe in these chakras." And she said, right, "Lie down," and she got a pendulum, and she ha- she held it over each of the chakras, and they started spinning. No way. The pendulum started spinning, and I thought, "No, I believe in them. Definitely believe in them." And they've they've been part of um, Indian medicine and other types of medicine for centuries and centuries particularly ayurvedic medicine 
And so the chakras are energy centers of the body and they're located in the astral body, which is just about an inch from your main body. From the middle out or the out in? Middle out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. about an inch. They sit in the, an inch away from your physical body mm-hmm. and they're regarded as spinning vortices of energy or spinning circles yeah. of energy. And each of them has different colours and sounds associated with them and they govern different parts of your body. So the main chakras are your seven chakras. Seven, okay. You've got seven chakras. Yeah. So you've got... Um, at your spine, the bottom of your spine, you've got what's called the base chakra, and that governs the pelvis and the coccyx area of the body. And that colour is red, and the element that it links to is earth, the okay. element earth. So it's linked to kind of the, the elements, the major elements as well. Um, and then you've got the um, sacral chakra, and that's below your tummy button, mm. and that's orange. Good colour. <laughs> And that the element of that is water, thanks okay. to water. That govern, governs the abdomen area. Then you've got your um, solar plexus. You might have heard of this term, solar plexus. Yeah. That's, that's above your tummy button, b- below your rib cage. Got it. And that's um, your um, solar plexus chakra. It's yellow and it's associated with fire. Wow. Okay. So if you think about the sun. Yeah. yeah the sun. And then you've got your. Um, these three chakras the base the sacral and the solar plexus are your lower chakras Mm -hmm. and then you've got a bridging chakra which is your special heart chakra okay so that's where your heart is yeah and that's a lovely soft green color and that covers the chest and heart area and lungs okay and then we have the throat chakra which is a sky blue color so that covers your expression communication etc yeah and um that's the throat area and the element is ether and the colour of that as I say is sky blue and then you've got your forehead or your third eye chakra which is above your nose in the middle of your forehead and that's a midnight blue or an indigo colour um, and that links to your mind okay okay and then finally at the top you've got your crown chakra which is a violet colour and that's all about your spirit it links to your spirit and um that's the this one the one at the top the top three are the the throat the third eye and the crown and they're called your higher chakras and your crown is the master chakra so if you work on the crown then you can open up the other chakras Mm. so all that we do to to work with them you work on the top three chakras at the end of the head massage treatment and all we do is we just visualize the color coming into the area breathing in and when we breathe out we visualize the relevant sound that goes with it okay so what's that helping to do unblock the energy unblock the the energy energy. so it's releasing any blocked energy in that area and often when people when you do the chakras with them even although i'm just working on the top three they'll say i can see orange i can see red because you're working with the crown chakra and that's normally because that's the area that's blocked interesting so the people will talk about seeing colors different colors is it primarily about um, the so the colours being associated with that internal energy, or could it be you have pain at the base of your spine, mm-hmm. so you need to work with that chakra? It could be. It could, it be, could okay. be. Yeah, and they also talk about. I've got a book that I'm reading at the moment. I haven't quite got through it all yet. That the chakras develop over time. That at different ages leads to the development of your chakras. So the younger you are, the lower your lower chakras develop, and then the older you get, your higher chakras develop as well it's quite fascinating um 
But what happens is because of stress, they, they get out of kilter and ba and become unbalanced. Okay. Yeah, because you hold, you might hold tension in certain parts of your body and that affects the energy. Mm. Is having them all balanced a part of being enlightened? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. No. Well, I don't no. feel balanced anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> and the colours come from the rainbow, don't they? The yeah, that's they're, true. They're, they're the rainbow colours. Oh, I like that. And all together they make up a white light, don't they? White light is made true. up of those colours. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's, it's fascinating yeah. so when we are meditating or practicing mindfulness which is obviously something we mentioned um that's a part of buddhism is that something that can help balance chakras or is that completely separate well mindfulness and meditation helps to settle your thoughts settle your mind gives okay. you a sense of calmness yeah. and um, helps you to a lot of it is you know people think that Mind meditation is being in a blissful state it's not about no. that and there'll be no thoughts there will be always be thoughts but it's not getting your, letting yourself get hooked by the thoughts it's mm -hmm. watching them arise and let them, letting them go, letting them pass it's away again from them, isn't it? yeah um, but you can do a chakra meditation you can actually do a chakra meditation which I like to do which is basically just visualising the colour coming into the different parts of the body and yep. um, silently vocalising the sound going out so you can and I often use that as a technique it's a focusing technique yeah. it's a visualisation so you can use them um, you can focus on the breath that's one way of um, meditating or you can use other types of visualisation and I like doing the chakra one yeah because you get a double whammy then don't you I like the sound of that can we do that at the end of it yes, yes. We can do. <laughs> yeah oh, definitely yeah, yeah. Good. so then I'll feel more balanced <laughs> by the end yeah often if you're feeling stressed I find just doing the chakra meditation really helps you don't have to spend a lot of time on it you know you can just it just brings you grounds you doesn't it yeah i was going to say it's it's as you say meditation isn't the removal of the thoughts it's just becoming as you say grounded and it's becoming separate from these things and i think as you say as you mentioned with your your sort of five senses mindfulness it's all of these things to a varying degree are doing similar things you know aren't yeah, they? which yeah. is bringing you back into you the here and now the present the present yeah. especially you know when it comes to dealing with mental health we talked a little bit about your your ocd struggles you know it's 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 one of the main things that people are talking about just yes, you know yeah. inhale for four hold for five exhale for six you know yes, just extending right, yeah. the the out breath helps to um you know decrease the cortisol levels in our body mm -hmm. which is a stress hormone and it's just fascinating that all of the science is coming out but this is the thing it's science now which two and a half thousand years ago when buddha was trotting around like he's just like oh look what i discovered and now we're like look what we've discovered and the truth is it's not it's coming from the ancient medicine and yeah that's what that's what i love about it because it's only now scientists catching up with what the buddhist yeah. masters have been telling us for years yeah and, and, and this is the thing isn't yeah. it it's like modern medicine is so amazing you know what we can do mm -hmm. but there is so much to be said for these I don't know if you, for lack of a better phrase, ancient philosophies and, yeah, and ways yeah. of living and ancient knowledge. There's so much out there. Yeah, and science is catching up with the idea of having a separate consciousness, having mm. a separate mind, because yeah. the 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 um, Buddhists believe that the mind is sep is a part of the body, is yeah. a part of the body, and there is, you know, if you think about quantum physics, can explain sometimes this idea of consciousness. Okay. Wow. And the, the the Dalai Lama always said, and he, it's very much. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Buddhist training, when you're training to be a monk, they argue all the time. They challenge the teachings all the time. You can you actually go to Buddhist university like and they constantly challenge the actual teachings. And the Dalai Lama has always said, if science proves that what I believe is wrong, then I'll believe it. Then I'll go with that. 
you know, but it hasn't yet. That's insane. That just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> no, yeah, because so, it's about it's not mm. accepting things. And the Buddha always said, "Don't don't just accept in faith what I'm telling you. Absolutely, find it for yourself. Try it for yourself. I managed to do it, and you can manage to do it. You yeah. know." Just don't be blind, you know, we're not just cheap, but... And it's not about blind faith, you know, yes. it's about it's about you have to work on yourself. Mm. You have to experience it yourself. You can't, it's not an easy ride. Well, that's the thing, it's self-awareness, yeah. having an open heart, open mind, yeah. you know, non-judgmental attitude, all of those eight things we just went through, you know, basically pursuing wholeness and love and kindness as the foundation of who you are, like that mm-hmm. goes against what was it that wheel of life thing the wheel of life yeah yeah. which is as we've already pointed out like there's birth yes there's other things but there's suffering there's pain you know there's Uh death and we are constantly a blur of life and death constantly a blur of joy and suffering yes and it's finding that equilibrium through the middle of it yeah yeah, and your place of belonging and that's no easy feat (laughs) (laughs) it's not i mean we uh talked about the precepts the, the precepts um in Buddhism are basically um, the first one is um, with open-handed generosity mm. I purify my body with stillness, simplicity and contentment I purify my body with truthful communication I purify my speech, with mindfulness clear and radiant I purify my mind with deeds of loving kindness wow. I purify my body So, and it's all, it's all about if you adopt these things then you become you you become you suffer less. Yeah. 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 But it's hard. Oh, <laughs> it's like absolutely. It's, but it, all the good it. things are hard, really, aren't they? Yeah. Another thing that trained me to. I mean, I'd known this from a young age that because of my OCD, my thoughts aren't real, and I yeah. realised that. So for a lot of people, when they first encounter Buddhism, they find that really difficult because they'll say, say yeah. "My thoughts are me." But for me, that was dead easy. I thought, yeah, I know they're not real because <laughs> I know what I, I can suffer from. Yeah. And it's not real. You've done that journey. I knew that from experience. A lot of people struggle with that. They think that their thoughts are them, but they're not. It's hard when the thoughts are so loud and overwhelming and all-consuming yeah. and we don't even have the self-awareness to be, I am me, these are thoughts, thoughts. which are not yeah. me. Like, that is that mm-hmm. is a almost a scary thing to go through. It is. I think, it actually. Is. It is. Yeah, it's like you think about no one is going to see the world through my eyes, through your eyes. No one knows what's inside of me, inside of you. Like we are all connected, but we're also very separate if you really want to go into that. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's scary, it's frightening, but it's also amazing. But that's a delusion. Buddhists would say that's ignorance and delusion because we're not separate. Okay, cool. I'm liking this. I'll, I'll yeah, be, that, that, let's go. There, is, there isn't a separateness between you. That's completely a, an illusion. It's it's based on, on on your upbringing. Okay. And as you develop from a child, you suddenly realise there's an out there and there's an in here. Yeah. But in reality, there isn't. Wow. There isn't an out there and an in here. I feel like I'm becoming more enlightened by the second. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> but that's a complete illusion. Yeah. And people are going, what? What? I don't understand this. Because remember, you've got an ego. Yeah, that gets in the way. And the ego is there to protect you. Oh, okay. You've got, I call it, it's also the chimp. I call it the chimp, managing your chimp by uh, Steve Peters. You need to read about him because it's about this survival instinct. Yeah. And it's linked to your ego. We're we're born, and there's actually a physical reason why part of our brain regards ourselves as separate. Okay. And it's all about protection and and survival instinct. Mm. And that's what makes us behave the way we do. So when somebody does something to us, it's like we're being attacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's really straight. It's really, 
Jeez, I feel like I could dive into this for hours. I know, <laughs> you could, yeah, you could. Yeah. 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 Keeping an eye on the time. Um, yeah. I'd like to actually just ask, because I'm probably going to forget by the end. So if somebody decided, I want to give this head massage a go, mm-hmm. where do mm-hmm. they go to find out more about that? Well, they could contact me. Okay, cool. Well, it, I'll put all the information in the show notes. But... Yeah, it's indianchampyscotland.com. Okay, you could contact me. Yeah. Or there's the uh, Centre in London, which is um, Champisage International. Amazing. We've had to curtail the courses at the moment because of COVID, but hopefully we'll start them up again. I'm thinking about maybe trying an online version of the training. Oh, wow. something I think might work. Yeah. Um, I think what COVID has shown is, is a lot of stuff can be done online that you probably didn't think could be in the, in, uh, in the past. Um, so that's what I would suggest if people are interested in learning about it. Brilliant. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Um, just before we start to wrap this thing up, do you feel like there's anything else we could touch on in, in Buddhism or massage that would be interesting to dive into? Um, if you want to find out more about Buddhism, mm. then Sri Ratna have a site called Free Buddhist Audio. Free Buddhist Audio. Or FreeBuddhistAudio.com, okay. all one word, all cool. all all joined together and um, that's a really good site it's got lots of different teachings in there it tells you all the different teachers in that tradition um, and it's all free you can make a donation if you want to but it's not necessary so you can get stuff from very beginners um, study to all the way to advanced study on lots of different topics cool I think I'll be nosing around there a little (laughs) bit once we wrap this up well listen it's, it's been so so brilliant to dive into this and obviously yes i say dive but we have skimmed across the surface like all of these things are so vast and deep but i feel it's a it's a wonderful taster for people you Mm -hmm. know to feel into something and be like this is something that i want to to research more i want to go and physically experience Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. that's a wonderful gift so thank you for your time today oh you're welcome it's been lovely chatting to you absolutely so before we um well we're going to jump into our quick fire questions and then we'll wrap up the session with a um a little chakra meditation yes wonderful um, yeah so we'll just just yeah. allow people to experience leave. it yes exactly and feel feel more balanced and grounded and yeah and it's yeah. something that's very simple you can do it yourself anytime exactly. yeah. yeah yeah all righty yeah. so are you ready for this quick fire question yes good <laughs> first question was what was the last book you read and loved the last book i read and loved was um a confederacy of dunces okay by john kennedy tool what's that about it's a wacky book. <laughs> All right, I'm reading that. <laughs> it's got an interesting story because the guy who wrote it um, couldn't get it published Aww. and he took his own life. Aww. And then after that happened, his mum decided to try and get it published and it became, he actually won an award, an American award for it. He's an American writer. And I'd read it years ago and I'd forgotten all about it and I thought, I'm going to read it again. And it's just really wacky. Okay, game so, on. <laughs> well, we like a bit of wacky, so I'll check that one out. <laughs> Um, so question number two are you a morning or an evening person night owl definitely yeah you fly when it's dark I don't do mornings no no what sort of time do you wake up then I maybe wake up about 10 but I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing anything before 12 alright my day's wrapping up by 12 pretty much <laughs> I know but of course when I teach I start teaching at 9 but fair my point. ideal day would start at 12 fair point yeah. good to know have you always been an evening yes person? definitely it's so interesting and I can stay up till 1, 2 in the morning quite easily I start oh, waking zombie. up I start waking up at 9, 10 o'clock at night wow I can't say I relate but good to know <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that question number 3 
very serious one. Mm-hmm. If you were reincarnated as an ice cream flavor, <laughs> what flavor would you be? That's dead easy. That is salted caramel. Salted caramel <laughs> for the win. Wonderful. Anything salted caramel. Yeah, it's, it's good. Flavor. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a lot to say about that. Because <laughs> the flavor does it all. Um, okay, next question. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be an interpreter with the OU, not the OU, the EU. EU. The EU. A bit bigger. (laughs) Or the United Nations. Wow. I studied languages and I loved languages. I really enjoyed it and I thought, I'd like to be an interpreter. So I did, um, part of my degree was business in German. And then I realised actually, you you better be bilingual. Yeah, got it. (laughs) So I gave up on that. But I always wanted, I really always wanted to be a teacher as well. Amazing. Well, you got there. I got there, yeah. I I, always, I used to pretend to be a teacher. I used to play at being a teacher. That's fun. I know. <laughs> I was and a then... safari guide. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm, I know I'm a teacher. Well, I'm a lecturer. Well, I'm not yeah, a teacher. Yeah. I didn't want to work with kids. I wanted to work with adults. Oh, cool. Yeah. Get the knowledge across. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thoroughly embarrass myself now. Let me practice my German. Hopefully do my partner proud. Um, wie geht es dir? Sehr gut, danke. Cool. Next question. <laughs> That's all I've got. Um, well, at least I've got that now. That's taken like four months to learn that one little... How are you? Um, okay, next question. What is your most unusual talent? Oh, it has to be Indian Champisage, hasn't yeah. it? It's got well, to it's be that. It's pretty got... niche. Yeah. yeah. And also, as, I, as you mentioned, I also do... Um, Narendra's wife developed a natural facelift massage technique. Yeah. What but did that involve then? It involves working with the muscles on the face. There's 93 muscles in your face. And it's a technique um, that she developed to basically make you look younger. So um, that's another useful one, that one. I think it's you good. might have people queuing up at your door by the end of <laughs> Well, that's good talents to have, I tell you. Yes, You're a yeah. good person to know. Um, <laughs> who has inspired you most in your life? Has to be the Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know he's no longer with us, but I also love the Dalai Lama. Yeah. He's got he, a lot of good stuff to say. He just epitomizes Buddhism. Mm. You know, he really does. He's 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 got a great sense of humor. Doesn't take things too seriously, and that's what Buddhism is about. Don't take things too seriously. A lovely sense of humor. And as he said, my religion's kindness. Love that's it. all it is. Yeah. And I think he's wonderful. I'd love to meet him. I'm thinking about writing to Dharamsala actually to see if I could meet him. You can actually write, but I can't physically meet him at the moment because of COVID. True. Well, I can only encourage you to get that letter out. I know, I know, because he's getting on. He's in his 80s now. And um, I do follow him on Facebook. He's got a Facebook page and he teaches regularly. And you, and you can just watch his teachings. Yeah, he teaches all the time. He's always having conferences with people and teaching. And I actually saw him when he came to Glasgow. Um, he did a, in 2004, he came to Glasgow for four days and he was teaching uh, Pratich at Samapada, which is everything is dependent on conditions. Wow. Independent arising, it's called. Dependent arising, it's called. And it just blew my mind. Because it wasn't just a spiritual teaching, it was a scientific teaching mm. to explain why we're all interconnected. Oof. It was fascinating. Wow. But I just I couldn't follow it half the time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's wonderful. Well, get that letter out. Uh-huh. Um, next question. When you're 80 years old, what will matter to you most in your life? Looking back, um, or even just as what matters now, is just that I'm healthy and I'm happy. Yeah. And that everybody's healthy and happy. Just wish everyone healthy and happiness. That's good. Health and happiness. Happiness. Cheers to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. What is your favourite food? 
Crisps. Crisps? Particular flavour? Almost anything. Just crisps. <laughs> not chicken and pickled onion, but anything. That's a crisp flavour. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! I have to say, I'm not a. I don't eat crisps really ever. So uh, it's a whole world that I'm unfamiliar with. I adore them. Yeah. Mm. I used to know there was prawn cocktail, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah as it a is. kid, I used to like that a lot. A marmite. Yeah, there's Worcester sauce. Ooh, now we're branching out. <laughs> what is your most unusual crisp flavour you've eaten? Bonus question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it has to be Worcester sauce. Yeah, I find quite that really strange. Special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But I love them. I do love crisps. Yeah. Mm. Good crunch. Yeah. Crisp sandwich? Yes. Oh, mate, now we're talking. Crisps on cheese. Oh, wow. On a sandwich. Look at that. You've done it all. That's nice. Crisp master. We'll ordain <laughs> you with that, I think. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite outdoor space? It has to be where I live. Yeah. Thin place. The thin place, yeah, yeah, has to be gorgeous, yeah. very gorgeous. Yeah, it's lovely. Is there I, a lot of wildlife around? Yeah, um, I've got a red squirrel that visits every day. I, I've I got love red squirrels. I know they're lovely. <laughs> they and make I, me all mushy. We've got we've got loads of them. In fact, my, there's a bit of a competition going on between my neighbours and things. We've got a WhatsApp group. I've got I've had seven red squirrels on my t- <laughs> visiting today, and I'm like, well, I've only got one. <laughs> And also we've got um, golden eagles down the bottom of the glen. And we've got deer, stags, you know. One day I looked out and there was two stags in the garden. Beautiful. Gosh. Just gorgeous. What a dream. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, final question then. Do you have any catchphrases or mantras that you live your life by? <laughs> um, two things. Uh, one is um, be kind. And if you can't be kind, do no harm. Mm-hmm. and the other one is um, your thoughts aren't real that's good that that's, works for me that yeah. one that's really important for me that when that little voice is in there trying to cook you mm-hmm. it's not it's not real we, we've got the, as humans we've got a unique ability to observe our thoughts animals can't do that true so it's good to be able to do that that we can observe it and say oh that's not real that's mm-hmm. you know I don't have to get hooked by that mm-hmm. definitely a skill to to develop yes, yeah absolutely. yeah not easy yeah oh, i have loved this conversation alison it's so been very insightful chatting and, to you oh yeah you know I, have, you, have you got before we jump into our meditation then any final words of advice or anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with before we jump into our <laughs> chakra meditation um no just that i just wish everyone um health and happiness and to be free from suffering Wonderful. Any, anything that we do as Buddhists in terms of our practice, we do it for the benefit of all beings mm. and that they'd be free from suffering. I love that. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling so good right now. <laughs> all righty. So, should we get ourselves comfortable and we'll wrap yes. this up? Yes, our definitely. Yep. Yeah, hopefully, I'll make you feel even better. Ideal. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So, what we're going to do first of all is we're just going to get ourselves comfortable wherever we happen to be. So, it could be on a seat. Or it could be lying down. Lying down is very nice. So you just want to relax back and uncross your arms and your legs. And we want to begin by taking three slow deep breaths in through our nose and out through our mouth. And just begin to feel the seat or the cushion underneath us. Just feel ourselves sitting here, the weight of our body on 
the cushion or lying down on the bed or wherever we happen to be. So another three slow deep breaths in through our nose and out through our mouth. Just be aware of your feet on the floor. Put your hands on your lap or on your thighs. Just be aware of, feel your hands touching your lap or your thighs and the, your feet on the floor. So we've got the sense of being grounded. And for the next 10 minutes, we don't have to worry about anything. We're just here now, being alive and experiencing the joy of being alive. We can forget about anything for the next few minutes while we go through this meditation or visualization. So what we're going to do is take our attention to the bottom of our spine and to our base chakra. And what I'd like you to do is just to breathe in and imagine a red light coming into the base of your spine. And then breathe out and then visualize the sound lamb or silently say the sound lamb to yourself. So breathe in, very slowly breathe in, visualizing that red light coming into the base of your spine and breathe out, lamb. Just say it very silent, just say it silently to yourself. You can vocalize it if you want to. Breathe in again and visualize red light coming into the base of our spine and breathe out silently saying lamb. Now we're going to move to um, our sacral chakra which is just below your tummy button. You could put your hand on that area if you want to. So just visualize the color orange, an orange light coming into that area of your body. Breathe in deeply, visualizing orange coming in and breathe out, vam. Breathe in, slowly visualizing an orange light coming in and out, vam. Breathe in slowly, visualizing that orange light unblocking the chakra. Breathe out, Vam. Now we'll move to our solar plexus, which is just above your tummy button. So again, you can put your hands on that area if, you, if it helps. And just breathe in, visualize a yellow golden sunlight coming into that area. Breathe in slowly, visualizing that golden sunlight coming in. Breathe out slowly and visualize and saying the sound Ram silently. So we breathe in, visualize a golden sunlight coming in, breathe out Ram. And again, breathe in, visualizing that yellow golden sunlight coming in and breathe out. Ram. So we're going to move to our special heart chakra. 
And what I'd like you to do is to visualize that space in the middle of your chest and just visualize a lovely soft green light coming in and breathing out silently saying the sound yam. So breathe in, visualizing that soft green light coming into your chest and breathe out yam. Breathe in once more, visualizing that soft green light coming into the area and breathe out slowly, silently vocalizing yam. Now we're going to move to the top three chakras and we'll start with the throat chakra. So just breathe in very slowly and visualize a turquoise blue coming into your throat area. Think of a summer's day, a blue sky, beautiful blue sky in a summer's day, not a cloud in the sky. So visualize that color coming in, breathing in slowly and breathe out and silently say, so breathe in, sky blue going into your throat chakra and breathe out, ham. Breathe in again, visualising that sky blue coming into your throat area and breathe out, ham. Now your third eye in the middle of your forehead. So this time we want to breathe in slowly and visualize a midnight blue or indigo color coming into the middle of your forehead. And we breathe out and the sound is om. So we breathe in visualizing an indigo midnight blue color and breathe out silently saying OM. And we breathe in again slowly, visualizing a midnight blue indigo light coming into the area of our forehead. And we breathe out OM. And then finally our crown chakra, the master chakra. So we want to breathe in and visualizing a violet purple coming into the top of our crown. And breathe out again silently saying OM. So we breathe in, violet coming into the top of our crown nice and slowly. And breathe out OM. And one more time we visualize that violet color coming into the top, down through the top of our skull, into the crown of our head and breathe out OM. So we just want to sit and imagine all those chakras opened up now. Creating this rainbow of light all our energy centers being balanced and giving a sense of calmness. Just take your time just 
enjoy visualizing that image of the rainbow and all the chakras being open. So the red of the base chakra, the orange of the sacral chakra below our tummy button, the yellow of the solar plexus above our tummy button, the soft green of the heart chakra in the middle of our chest, the sky blue, turquoise blue of the throat chakra, the indigo or midnight blue in the middle of our forehead, our third eye, and the violet on our crown, the master chakra. Just enjoy visualizing all these colors. And this is a technique you can use at any time, anywhere. And you can spend longer on each of the the centers, energy centers. So you can spend any length of time that you feel appropriate or that you have available. And you may see colors as you do this. Some do, some don't. But any colors you see would indicate that these are areas that have been unblocked. We'll bring the meditation to an end. Begin by again feeling your feet on the floor or your body lying down on the bed or couch. Bring your attention to your fingers. Take three slow deep breaths. and open your eyes slowly in your own time. And have a little stretch. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. Oh. Got to admit, I'm feeling so grounded right now. I'm going to wrap this conversation up here, guys, and just say thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, comment, share, get this conversation as far and as wide as you can, because I really believe there's something for everybody in what Alison and I talked about in this conversation, from loving kindness to gratitude to being more grounded and in the present, in the moment. You know, I think it's something we can all use more of. So whether you want to become somebody who practices Buddhism or you just want to bring a little bit more goodness and wholeness into your life, look inwards, feel inwards and step out onto a whole new path. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, stay wild.